0: Welcome back to the Health and Wealth Podcast with your host, Dr. Vincent Buscemi, currently hosting the best, not highest rated, but the best podcast on health, wealth, self-improvement, everything to improve your life. This is where you need to be. I just had the honor of interviewing Dr. Alan Stern, dentist, but more importantly, life coach, a kind soul, just an amazing person. He runs a consulting or coaching company called Better, richer, stronger. Here on the screen, you can see it, redefining prosperity. I can't recap Alan in one minute intro or one sentence. You'll have to watch the whole interview. But if you can give a few words about Alan, kind soul, and what he's trying to do is just be a positive force and a force of good for the people he meets. And even after an hour interview, I feel better just talking to Alan. Alan, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Guys, even if you're not a dentist, this is going to be an amazing podcast. Thanks again, and I'll see you guys soon. I love the book. Tell me the thank motivation. You. Why write a book towards the end of your career in dentistry?
1: Vince, it, it's a long story, but you know, dentistry is pockmarked, sadly, by depression and the end point of untreated depression is suicide and i've seen too much of it i was raised um, with a total lack of self-esteem with a total lack of self-efficacy and i am i'm the son of a holocaust survivor my mother survived the worst piece of inhumanity in recorded history and my mother inculcated broke my brother myself with the, the idea that Jewish people were put in this earth to suffer, that every day at best should be a struggle for survival. And Vince, how could she have thought any different? When you separated from your parents, offloaded from a cattle car, and pushed in the opposite direction, where they went to die and she kind of lived, how could you not think that? So coming out of dental school, I struggled. I struggled with... Um, self-esteem I struggled with my own perception of my competency and I made some very foolish mistakes um, both in business and my emotional reactions to things and in the way I managed my money and man I was miserable I was doing fine but I was miserable I didn't see it my life changed when I altered when I adjusted my life to who I really am and man, oh man, I'm good. So I went from really um, not. There are people in worse rock bottom than I was in, but I went from a lull and a low in my life all the way to now, where I can. I'm not retiring, as I told you. I am refiring, and I've just, I've cracked the code on how to be happy in a career that really should bring you happiness. Therefore, the book. Therefore, I started Better, Richer, Stronger, which is my coaching endeavor. And when I hired my amazing business coach, uh, Mark LeBlanc, uh, and told him my story, he said, you're writing a book. And I said, Mark, I'm too busy. I've got to practice. I'm doing this. I've got kids. I've got this. I've got that. He says, you're writing the book. And after three butt, but, but, but exchanges, exchanges, I gave up, he beat me into submission. I said, okay, Mark, I'm gonna write the book. And we, we released it in 2019 and it was immediately a bestseller in dentistry. And it continues to be uh, my defining document. So that that's how that happened. And we're growing. Apparently some people, I guess, then it's not my wife and my, my not my kids but some people are actually listening <laughs> to me and taking me seriously and we're growing so i'm in a little bit of a transition right now i love my practice i love my patience um but this is tugging my heart and at an age where some people think i should be sitting on a rocking chair um maybe sipping, sipping mint juleps um Wouldn't be a bad idea, but I've got better things to do. I am just getting started, my friend.
0: Well, I think you're growing for a reason. When I read your book, one of the initial things that drew me in is you made an admission that even in your mid-50s, you were overweight, you were sad, you were overspending. You said you were living paycheck to paycheck, which someone in their mid-30s hearing that makes me feel a little relieved that I'm not the only one that struggles with certain things as well but I want to go back to when you said you were sad, kind of rock bottom. How did you develop the awareness to know you were feeling that way? Or what was going in your life that triggered you to think I need to change?
1: Well, I think it's very hard. It's a little easier now than it was back in my peak years. I saw, uh, but I realized that I needed to speak to a therapist. And we have learned in my coming of age, so to speak, that vulnerability is strength if you know how to embrace it. And I gave in because I, I, I was just miserable. I was dragging into work. I was dragging home. I've got a fantastic oh. wife. I've got two fantastic fantastic kids. And I was still miserable. And but for the grace of God, Vince, I I, I found Dr. Arnold Lazarus, who unfortunately has passed away, he passed away a number of years ago, but he taught me to put things into perspective. And I started putting it all together. And then I ran into a great peak performance coach, my friend, Dana Ackley, who had me apply the rational emotive principles that Dr. Lazarus taught me into the day-to-day practice of dentistry. And through that process, it wasn't a light that switched on. It was like a a dimmer switch. It it just slowly illuminated. And all of a sudden, I woke up one morning and said, Hey, I understand this. I got it. And I learned to live as I am, be who I am, be comfortable with who I am, and then improve it both physically, mentally, financially, and emotionally. And damn, if I can do it, Vince, anybody can do it.
0: Can you go over some of the principles that the therapist walked you through?
1: It's rational, emotive therapy is what I work with. Arnold Lazarus was a direct disciple of Albert Ellis, who any psychology BA student will know Albert Ellis's name. And the principle is get real that life is a bumpy road. You know, Alanism number one is show me a person without stress and I'll show you a cadaver. And Dr. Lazarus taught me that. And so he taught me to put it in perspective. So you know what? I've got a cash crunch in, oh, let's make up a number, June of 1994. And what does a dentist think? A dentist thinks, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. The guy down the road, he just bought a new Ferrari and he only works two days a week oh my God, the world's coming to an end. And I learned to look at it and I say, all right, business has cycles. On a scale of one to 100, where does this fall? Well, this is a business 40 on a scale of 100, a one to 100. All right, Alan, you got a 40, take a deep breath and just figure it out. And that's a simplistic way of putting it because there are emotions that have to be dealt with along the way and they have to be put in their place. But you just grade it. You know, what would be a business 100 on a scale of misery? The IRS knocks at your door, the bank officer comes in with a foreclosure notice. Those are the kind of things that would be a 100. What's a personal, you know, in in a personal life, I'm dragging. Okay. um, I don't live in a fantastic house. That's a personal 30. Come on. When you compare it uh, for me, a personal 100, God forbid is the unthinkable loss of a child. That's a hundred. That's something I really grieve over. But if you live in a smaller house than the dentist across the street, give me a break. You got a roof over your head, Alan. Check. You're not hungry, Alan. Check. You love your wife, you love your kids. Yeah, we're all right. So you either buy a bigger house, stay where you are, make up your mind. So that's how Arnold taught me how to do this. So I always put my problems on a scale. And I measure it and very seldom does any of them, do any of our issues go past the 50.
0: So practicing gratitude sounds like it aligns perfectly with that. Cause you said my house isn't 10,000 square feet, but my kids are alive. I love them and they love me. So it actually helps you calibrate that scale.
1: Yes. Gratitude is a critical part of it. And somebody taught me years ago also that gratitude is currency. And isn't that true? I mean, when, when we drill deep into other people and we find out that they have problems that are just as pressing as ours, that neither you nor I, Vince, have it all together, but we're doing all right. I was in a leadership group last week with, um, with my business coach. And we were sitting and and just talking about all of the things that we've been stumbling over. And at the end of the, at the end of our talk, (laughs) one of the things I concluded is that I'm sitting here with a group of idiots (laughs) and we're all doing all right. (laughs) So, you know, we're not perfect, Vince, and we're all going to make mistakes. The smartest, biggest, brightest, overachievers make mistakes. And sometimes we wallow in them. And the difference is we've got to just get that executive part of our brain functioning to override it and say, hey, man, life is good. These are first world problems we're having. God forbid we have existential threats in our faces. I mean, those are problems. But these things here, we're alive, we're strong, we can do this. We keep ourselves in shape physically and mentally so that we can handle these things.
0: There's a part in the end of your book where you talk about, there's like four sentences. One of them is, there's a 100% chance your life will always be imperfect. And it seems like if you don't accept that fact now, every little challenge or obstacle will be a crushing blow. Was there a point in your career where even the littlest things would set you back, put you in depression, make you really upset?
1: Oh, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I was never clinically diagnosed with depression and I'm so grateful for that. But to add a light note to this, I, I discovered the disease I suffered from. you ready this? for this. PMD. Now uh, in the world of dentistry, we treat TMD, which is temporal mandibular dysfunction. Dysfunction. Late people call it TMJ, but people in the know call it TMD. I suffer from PMD perpetually miserable dentist. <laughs> <laughs> that's PMD. Because you know what? We are endowed with an amygdala, our fight, flight, or freeze part of our brain, that reptilian thing that's in our heads for survival. So if, if you're standing out in the field and a wild boar comes charging at you, you're not gonna continue your podcast with Alan Stern You're going to say, hey, Alan, I got to get out of here. Oh, my God, I'm going. You drop the mic and you get out. Your amygdala helps you to survive. But unfortunately, that amygdala kicks in when we see some of these business problems, some of these, as I call them, first world problems. We see them as, as existential threats. And our amygdala kicks in and we get this awful panic reaction. And the cortisol starts flowing in us. And oh my goodness, we're out of control. What we need to do, we are also endowed with a prefrontal cortex, an executive brain, which can kick in and say, hey, man, calm down. This is a business 30. Take a deep breath, amygdala. Go back to sleep for when there's really a problem. So, yeah, it is very real that we dentists who are trained to be, or mistrained and misguided to be perfect and misguided to compare ourselves to the dude down the road that amygdala kicks in and say and really says you better start freaking out pal because you're you're imperfect you're not as good as you think the other guy is so yeah there is a 100 percent chance that everybody's life is going to be flawed in some way thank be thankful for the problems that you have because you can could- i think
0: in your book that's actually the most comforting part I've read where, cause it's so easy for me, I'm a younger dentist. I look down the street, the kid's two years younger than me and he has a Ferrari. And I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing wrong? So to know that there, there's so many things behind the scene too, he could be in crushing debt. So to know that like yeah. everybody's life is imperfect. Do you, are they like do you mantras do you repeat that every day? Once you scale a problem in a one to a hundred. How do you move to the next step to having more of a positive change in your life? Because are you still a perpetually miserable dentist?
1: Yeah. Am I? I'm a recovering (laughs) dentist. So, how does somebody
0: recover from being a PMD?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, it, it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of practice. And, you know, number one, life's not perfect, get over it. Number two, I just lost three friends in the last few months from heart disease and cancer, they would do anything to have my Mm. problems. And I think that. I also recenter on my gratitude. I take a look at my wife, um, my kids and the great things that they're doing. And oh my God, that's the most important work I've done. And you know something Vince, when I look at, and there's a lot of Porsche drivers and Ferrari drivers and McMansion livers around me. But here's the truth. You're a pretty good guy, Vince. You're a rock solid gentleman and a damn good practitioner. You don't know what price Mr. Ferrari paid or what he's paying to have that Ferrari in his driveway. And you also don't know if you're willing or able to pay that price. I am not, it took me years to get over this one, Vince. I am not the caliber of dentists that my Panky instructors are. I never got to that pinnacle. And for so many years, I beat myself up over it thinking I was inadequate and never going to make it. All the while I'm growing a very nice dental practice. It doesn't matter. I am who I am, and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, and I tell myself that, and I have the vision of where I want to be, and I'm doing something about it. I know what I want to do. I know what I have. I know how much is enough. You know, we can go and chase zillions of dollars. Our earning potential is almost unlimited. But at what price Vince? At what price? Your sanity? Your time with your family? Doing other things that are part of living that God forbid you lie on your deathbed and you say, damn, I didn't do that. I wish I had. So you got to strike a balance. And I tell myself this, as I grow my coaching business Vince, I've got the potential to do huge things, but you know what? I've got enough and I can grow to any point I want, balancing my profound desire to affect good in the world with my desire to have a good time and give my wife the fun and enjoyment and the lifestyle that I promised her. So how much is enough? What are you willing to do? Don't ever assume anything about anybody else except yourself. And just take what you have, be grateful for it and very carefully grow it.
0: That's how you do it. So what's involved in this balance? What are the different categories of your life that you're balancing?
1: The four things, it's all about relationships. It's about relationship to your practice or your business, your relationship to your money, your relationship to significant others, and, Mr. Fitness, your relationship to your health, your physical and your emotional health. If you've got those pieces imperfectly put together, you're well on your way. So it's all about Dr Pankey said know your know your patient know yourself know your work and apply your knowledge that's the that's the cross of dentistry and Dr Pankey also said that the cross of life is work play love and balance and always fine tuning that balance work play love and worship those are your keys
0: what is the relationship to the practice cuz i was kind of thinking when you said relationship to practice and relationship to money I thought they were one and the same, but obviously they're separate they're two different categories. Can you kind of double down on what it means to have a relationship to your practice?
1: Yeah, the, well, the practice clearly is the means by which you earn a living. But, you know, what is your driving force? What is your mission in that practice? If your mission in that practice is to make the most money per day, um, four or five days a week, 48 to 50 weeks a year, okay, then they're one in the same. And I would tell you that the blind pursuit of money with, without purpose could be the key to some real serious emotional issues or some serious disappointment. Cause somebody's always going to be making more money than you. And somebody's always going to be like making less. Yeah. But if you have a mission and a purpose, the mission of my office is to deliver the best dentistry possible in a warm, loving environment. So my relationship to that mission is very, very important. I know my practice. I know my patients. I know my work. I know myself and I apply that knowledge. So my relationship with that practice is, am I living my mission? I saved a life two days ago. I saved a life by taking a blood pressure on something routine that didn't even involve local anesthetic. We do blood pressure on every human being that walks in, including denture checks, including denture adjustments. And I saved a life. Did I deliver the best dentistry possible? I went beyond that. And you know how much I got paid for taking the blood pressure? Yeah, double what you're paying to be on your podcast. <laughs> and th- do you know how much inner satisfaction I got? out of that? Infinite. So relationship to the practice. Another story, if I may. I had a woman come in. We've been treating her for a number of years, 74 years old. I talked about this on my uh, my thought mm-hmm. of the day this morning. She came in. And she had had two apicos fail. You know, one apico is bad news. Two apicos is a big gamble, much bigger than the money I'll be gambling in Las Vegas (laughs) in in three weeks for my birthday. Um, And she was frustrated. She came in angry. I spent $1,700 on this and blah, 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 blah. And now the tooth has to come in. I'm not taking that tooth out. And she had a nice big fat periapical area. And you know, darn well that that area is going to spread and is gonna do some bad things. So my world-class hygienist let her vent. She came in to me and she said, Mrs. X is doing this. Uh, Just be careful. And I came in and I said, so what's happening with that tooth? I said, what the hell's going on with that tooth? And I smiled at her and and she let me have it again. $1,700, I can't afford this, that and everything. And I followed one principle, S-U-A-L, shut up and listen. And I let her vent. I let her drain her limbic system. She got it all out there. And I says, Mrs. X, you know, if money's a problem, there's a federally qualified health center I can refer you to. And I have a friend who works there. No, it's not the money. It's always, it's almost never the money. So she vented again. She has all this stuff going on. She's in pain. She's got orthopedic issues, blah, 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 blah. And the oral surgeon who took care of her the first time was really rough. There's the issues. We got them out. So what did I do? I aligned with her. I said, look, it's not the money, but okay, I get it. And if we need to put an implant in there, you might not like that because it's going to cost you X amount of dollars. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no problem, this X. No problem. Let me schedule you in that office with another surgeon, a woman. I will call her personally when you let me know your appointment is. And I will tell her your story. And I will let her know that you need just a little bit of TLC. And you know what? When you come back, we will fit a prosthetic replacement for you that will fit your budget because I don't want your dignity compromised." She left the office with a smile. She was glad she walked in. And how much did I get paid to sell her out of an implant and to, to take up the extra hygiene chair time how much did i get paid <laughs> triple what you're paying me <laughs> and how much satisfaction that i got out of it oh my goodness gracious so your relationship with your mission in your practice is different than your relationship with your money they they're kissing cousins but they're cousins.
0: What point in your career did Alan become mature enough to have that kind of conversation and not lose his cool?
1: Are you sitting? <laughs> oh, yes, you are sitting down. Is your seatbelt fastened? Somewhere okay, around 60. Good. Because <laughs> that. My upper, 50, upper 50s or so lower 60s. So what
0: led you up to develop that form of emotional resilience that you could handle that and come back with such a measured response
1: the conquest of PMA. okay when i became comfortable with who i am when i know that my personal mission as i showed you before is to be a force for good in the world no matter how excellent or flawed i may be and to keep on getting better at being a force for good in the world then i intentionally I live by intent, I live by the intent to be a force for good in the world, so that if there is a potential conflict brewing, like angry Mrs X, then I know that I am to approach her as a force of goodness, to do something to the best of my ability, and it's not perfect, and it doesn't always work, to make her life better by being who I am as a dentist and as a human being. That took a lot of maturity, a lot of therapy, a lot of coaching, a lot of screwing up. And every now and then I still screw it up. I lost my cool with a patient uh, about six or eight months ago. Um, I screwed it up. But more often than not, I get it right. And more, way more often than not, not, people walk out of my office saying, I like being here and he did me good.
0: You mentioned a couple of times you have to be secure with who you are, okay with who you are. How do you mm-hmm. even start that? Because I'm kind of like questioning myself right now, like, who am I? Do I even know if I'm okay with who I am? I think I am. How did you start that process?
1: Oh, goodness. Um, actually, I bumped it up about a dozen notches uh, a couple of years ago very recently. Uh, I had been doing it instinctively. But I went, I did a program, uh, a self-centered, self-serving promo here, if I may. So I did a program with my friend John Blumberg called The Circle of Integrity. And John and I became very fast friends. And we took that program to dentistry. We're going to do it again soon. Uh, when I have time to market it properly. But integrity is not honesty. Honesty is part of integrity. Integrity is living your core values. So with John's facilitation, I got in touch with my core values. I found them very, very deep down. And a core value that I live by, Vince, is that people are precious and people are fragile. And that augments my, my, my drive to be a force for good in the world, knowing that Mrs. X is precious and fragile, for example, ha- keeps me going the way I'm going. So what I would tell you, first of all, lose the doubt. Lose the doubt because you are a well-educated, well-trained professional with good intent, And I would speculate that everything you do is out of the goodness, goodness of your heart and the sharpness of your wit. I want you to celebrate that. Get rid of the doubt and simply take a good thing and make it better. That's what life's about, man. You're never going to be perfect when you, you have hit a certain plateau here of excellence and you're really good. But I hate to tell you this, Vince, You're not as good as you're gonna be five years from now. Get over it. Get over it and embrace it. I'm gonna be 60, 10 years old in in less than two weeks. And not only am I not getting started, but I'm not near as good as I'm gonna be in two years. But I'm a thousand times better than I was 20 years ago or 40 years ago. It's the process. Enjoy the ride. The greatness is in the journey. You're on a fantastic journey. Look at you. Look at what you're doing at such a young age. So lose the doubt, see how you could make yourself better, and just go step by step. Same way as I went in my fitness journey, step by step.
0: What are some of these other core values that you discovered with your coach? Uh,
1: Honesty means a lot to me. Conflict is something I must avoid. Conflict is something I'm not good at because of that, because I am fragile. My core value is that I'm imperfect, but I'm enough. It all centers around that basic principle that people are precious and people are fragile. It's critical. As I look back at my upbringing, my childhood, I see a very fragile mother who was broken because nobody understood that she's fragile. Nobody understood how precious she was, especially her. I would say that is my central one, period, and issue.
0: Did you always have such high level of empathy or was this also increased as you were on your journey?
1: Yes um, and yes. Um, I always cried with others, I always cried with, as I acknowledged the moment, I laughed like crazy. I love to take a sad person and make them feel listened to and also get them to laugh a little bit. But as I began to live it by intent as I got older and began to realize what that thing, that, that driver is inside of me. It got more intentional, more deliberate, more powerful. Um, by the way, as I'm as I'm pondering your previous question, my other core value um, is going to be your health and wellness. You've got to be healthy in order to to carry forth your mission in life. You've got to be uh, financially and physically healthy. And mentally. Was there something
0: that triggered this passion for physical? health, fitness, something in your life you're like, I got to change.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh Yeah. Oh, if I could only screen share with you, um, my, my daughter is a two time all American softball player and won a national title at the junior college level back in 2011. And my daughter is a reasonably attractive young lady. Of course, she looks like me. How bad looking! Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. But what they did when 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 Brookdale Community College won the national title back in 2010, they decaled the team bus with a picture of the players. This is leading to a story. And Tracy's picture. Tracy played shortstop that year, and they had her bent over to pick up a ground ball in that position, wearing you know her hair all pulled back. Wearing these big bug-eyed sunglasses and looking not like the attractive girly girl that she was that she was and is. And Fran and I, my wife and I, posed by the picture, pointed at the picture, laughing, that she looked like a crap. And I looked at my belly. And I said, Holy, you look like that. Oh my God, you better do something about it. And I wound up engaging a a world-class nutritionist and a personal trainer. And I went from a size 38 waist down with 33. Took my body fat from 33 to 17. I've rebounded, by the way, I have to come back down again, but I'm still in a healthy range. And hence better, richer, stronger. And that was in my upper, I was 58 years old when I embarked on my journey to health and wellness. And at age 66, I held a plank for 10 and a half minutes. Wow. Yeah.
0: So I think if you have not transitioned from out of shape to in shape, it's hard to actually articulate to other people how much better you feel. But can you describe being in your late 50s how you felt at 36 inch waist to how you feel even 10 years later now being physically fit.
1: 38 inch inch waist and 33% body fat.
0: And you must, and you're 10 years older, but do you, how do you feel compared to back then?
1: Well, back then, may I use language? Any
0: word you want.
1: Alan, you look like (laughs) Shit. You are a fat <laughs> bastard.
0: I love that language.
1: <laughs> uh, I looked and I said, you're a walking heart attack and insulin syringe. What's a matter? You got to get in shape. But that too was really improper thinking. As my coach Tom Belela, the late great Tom Belela, my nutritionist, um, he slapped me around a little bit, but he said something to me. He said, You can have an athlete's body. You know, what? Me? Fat <laughs> bastard? He said, Yeah. <laughs> and as I embarked on this journey, and as things got better, hmm, wow, hey, look at this. Thirty my thirty-eights. My thirty I could fit um, my daughter and me into my size 38s now. Wow. Hey, look at this. Throw them away. 37, 36, 35, 34, 33. And as I got ready in the morning to hop in the shower and I took a look, I got Vince. I can see my toes. (laughs) And I'm saying, if this is 65 or whatever, man, bring 70 bring it because i learned from uh, our friend uchi odiatu that your muscles don't know how old your body is and i'm building muscle in my 60s what's up with that you're supposed to deteriorate when you're in your 30s right you're supposed to decline i'm having none of that
0: that's amazing i know that the amount of muscle you have is almost 100 percent correlated to how long you're going to live
1: yeah Yeah. And the emotional benefit of it, Vince, is even better than the physiologic benefit. Because I have more energy. I don't feel like I'm going to be 60, 10 years old. I don't use that other word. There's too much connotation in that. (laughs) sad, 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 well, whatever that is. (laughs) Uh, I don't feel it. I'm blessed with some genetics. I do have that. I'm very fortunate. But and by the way, my mother in law, my wife's mother in law died at 101. So um, we have the potential to have some years ahead of us. Um, And so I don't want to my poor mother in law, may she rest in peace. She died in a nursing home in a Jerry chair, unable to walk and unable to sit straight, I don't want that. And you don't have to be that way. You can be young into your eighties and beyond. So I am going to always have something going on physically that strengthens me. And if I can't be, you know, an Olympic, um, clean and jerk lifter, I can be the best version of myself possible. I don't compare myself to my friend, Uchi, who's cut from top to bottom and who is just a model for ideal fitness. No one's going to get there. Very few people can get there, but I can become better and better every day. And I can, by the way, give myself a little grace for falling off as long as I just come back being gentle on myself.
0: Well, like you said, there's cycles in business there's got to be cycles and mm-hmm. physical fitness too. When you yeah, there when you sure got is. up to 33% body fat, was food a crutch for stress reduction or was, okay, yes. so like most dentists or even most people, they use food for almost anti-anxiety medication.
1: it oh, yeah. was your situation oh, too. Yeah, I went to my chiropractor and <laughs> my chiropractor was dabbling in nutrition at the time, he referred me to Doctor Bolella because he didn't have enough juice yet to to do it on his own. I said, "But Raj, I have a diet ice cream at night. What's going on?" And he pokes me in the belly, my big fat belly. Said, "How's <laughs> that working for you, Doc?" <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if you listen carefully, the universe speaks to you. And very fortunately, I ran into people who were comfortable enough, and I, with whom I was comfortable enough to say what's on my mind and tell my concerns and establish a close rapport with them that they, they just told it like it was.
0: I think at times you absolutely need that because they're coming from a place of trying to help you or a place of love. So they're not yeah. demeaning you. They're saying, like, here are the facts, Alan. If you don't recognize these facts, you're not going to get better, which we want for you.
1: Right. And, but all of my, the people that have influenced my life for the better have expressed it factually, but with empathy. And isn't that what we do as dentists? Is that what we need to do to be the best dentists mm. we can be? You can't tell a, a human being who doesn't understand dentistry, you got to have that tooth out or you're going to get a a, um, a a bad infection, a, a cavernous sinus thrombosis. What's a cavernous sinus? I don't, know. I don't care about that. I care about money. You better do that or else, miss patient. You can't do that anymore. You better have an implant or else you can't do that. So the same way you address a person's health, it's a basic coaching principle. You get where they are. You align yourself with them. You push in a direction of their best interest, of their stated best interest. And you do all that and you hope for the best. And usually it turns out. So yes, my coaches knew me very well. They understood me. And they knew how to reach me in a way that I would hear it. That's good coaching. That's good doctoring.
0: There's a theme in this whole podcast interview that you have maybe the awareness and maturity to seek out coaches in your life. Where did you develop yes. that insight?
1: You know, Vince, it's a long story.
0: <laughs> like all, all my, if
1: I, if conciseness were a virtue, by the way, I would burn it out. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I sought out help um, about mid-career where I I realized that I didn't know. I I knew everything, but it wasn't working, even though I was a doctor and I knew everything. And I found the wrong coaches for a while. And with no malice aforethought, um, they were the wrong coaches for me. And I kept going with them. And, man, it led me to a bad place. It led me to multi-six figures in debt with no increase in income to pay for it. And I gave up on coaching for a while. And then when the student was ready, the teacher appeared and I found the right team of coaches. And damn, if it, I didn't get here by myself. And I'm not going to where I'm going by myself. And the truth is, Vince, When we look at the best athletes out there, when we look at the best singers, actors, performers, the slimiest politicians, I mean the most successful leaders, (laughs) they all have coaches. They all, they call them whatever you want. You could call them consultants. You could call them advisors. You could call them handlers. You could call them coaches. No one gets there alone. You could get there for a little while, but you'll slip on your rear end at some point and you'll you'll fall. If you want to get there, take somebody along. They are invaluable. The problem in the coaching and consulting paradigm is that somebody can pick the wrong coach as I did many years ago and get bummed on the whole thing. I just picked the wrong one unknown caller who dares call me when i'm talking they to don't vince know buscemi?
0: that we're
1: lying <laughs> go away uh, you know you're dealing with vince buscemi you can't interrupt well, him let me
0: ask you this so when you're uh, looking at coaches are there red flags at younger professionals to say like this is definitely not a good fit or how do you know it's not a good fit
1: all right look there are bad apples in every barrel There are people who are looking to make a quick hit and a quick buck and vanish. I am not going to address that because Vince, most everybody with glaring exception is a good person doing the best they can, plotting their way through the world, just like you and I. So let's look at the right fit. Let's look at the right coach for you. Look, some of the coaches that I hired who were the wrong coaches, other people did extremely well with them. They just weren't for me. So the first thing is know yourself. The first thing is identify what you want. And talk to a batch of them. And the thing you want to watch for is people who listen to you clearly demonstrate that they understand what you're going through and give you an idea that they can help you. That's what you want to look for. So let's get away from this notion, please, of good and bad. Let's get, let's move toward the right fit for you. You know, there are some potential clients that I look at that I refer elsewhere. Um, You and I are, you and I are friends with Laura Brennan. Laura's become a very good friend because she takes dentists who really want to get out and eases them. I take dentists who are disillusioned and and just refocus them. So I may be the wrong coach, I am the wrong coach for somebody who unequivocally wants to get the hell out of dentistry. Laura is the wrong coach for somebody who really wants to stay in. Um, Those are these are just two good examples that that off the top of my head. So understand, let them demonstrate an understanding of who you are, that you're comfortable listening to, uh, talking to them, and they have some idea that you feel good after you speak to them and they show you some idea that they know how to get you from point A to point B. And the other thing is realize during your coaching relationship, are you on track with them? Are you on track? Are you getting there? If not, you can most respectfully say, hey coach, um, you've taken me as far as you can. Maybe it's a good idea that I move on. In fact, I did that with a client uh, a number of months ago. I took this individual as far as I could and I wasn't getting anywhere. And the person was writing me checks. I wasn't earning that money, I was taking that money. So even as a coach with a client, if that's not, if you're not a good fit, You know cut the cord cut the cord so look for what's right for you interview carefully listen it sounds
0: like as you're a client you need to know your goal because if you don't know where you want to go the coach can only help you along they're not going to take you there
1: sometimes a coach though can help you identify those goals in the process of coaching so if you are wobbly and you feel like you've got a connection if coach and client feel like they've got a connection And I work with a few of them right now like that. And I I help them pinpoint where their values are. So advantage you if you know what you want, but the right coach with a little bit of behavior change coaching and maybe a little life coaching experience can help you identify those things as well. So I'll, I'll rephrase that a little bit for you.
0: Those four principles you brought up, practice, relationship, money and health, Are those the four pillars of your coaching program?
1: Those are the four pillars of what I feel is a good life. And yes, yes, with me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: It sounds like your method of coaching is not just dentistry. It's life coaching. Is that accurate?
1: It's accurate. Yes. Um, In fact, I just, um, It was so cool. I was asked by Laura Brenner and our friend Eric Block to be a founding member of the International Academy of Dental Life Coaches. And I am just shuddered with joy. And with emotion. That I would be asked to do that. I... Come from a background where not only was I given the belief that I was put on this earth to suffer, but I was also an emotionally battered child without an ounce of respect from a parent. I'll give you a hint, I don't want to badmouth anybody. It wasn't my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, he is still alive at this to this day, and unfortunately, sadly, we are estranged, but I was beat up verbally my whole life. And part of my issue was coming out with this awful self-image, and by the way, pummeled all the way through while this parent was still in touch with me. And here I am, rising from the depths of self-esteem hell. And they're asking me, founding member, international academy, me? Oh my God, Vince, it's a dream come true. And yes, it is life coaching. It is more along the lines of perspective, lessons learned, mistakes made, and becoming wiser from it and using my experience The things that knocked me down, the adversities that seemingly slaughtered me made me what I am today. Somebody once asked me, I'm a little off tangent, off, off center here, but I think it's important. Somebody once asked me, what would you change in your life if you had it to do over again? Not a hell of a lot. Damn, I'm who I am because of what happened. I'm okay with it. You know, suffering, pain is universal. Suffering is optional. So I've used my pain, I've parlayed that into something good. But what I do, yes indeed, I I don't, I know dentistry so I can guide people, sometimes clinically into some things. I have some knowledge of what we do, obviously I've been doing it for 42 years. But I've been living it for 42 years. And I can show people that you can choose a direction that's uniquely yours. And it doesn't have to be Vince's and it doesn't have to be Alan's. In fact, it shouldn't be. Take your core values, your, what makes you happy, and practice happy. What good is $10 if you're miserable every day? And I know mm-hmm. people like that. So, yes, my coaching centers around living a good life as a practicing dentist. I love
0: that. So, if you go back to where you were in, like you said, self esteem hell, whatever age that was, maybe 30s or 40s, what would that Alan think of you right now? Holy shit.
1: You can do that. I can do that. I'm going to become that. How the hell is that going to happen? I'm nothing. I've been shown that I'm nothing. It's been proven to me I'm nothing. I'm something. I'm something because of what I can do for people. You see, 30-year-old Alan, it's not about you. It is, but it's not. It's about your gift to the world, 30-year-old Alan. It's about finding that gift. And 30-year-old Alan, it's gonna take you a couple of decades to figure it out, but the greatness is in the journey.
0: I love that. Um, I can already tell you're such a kind soul. I really appreciate you opening up and talking to me. I feel lighter just knowing you now. Whenever we end the podcast, my second goal is always to put you in the best light possible. And I know we already discussed your consulting company. Can you tell people, the, again, the name of your consulting company, where people can find you and how people can work with you and the name of your sure. book that's right here? It's,
1: yeah. My, my, my book is Enjoy the Ride. It's on Amazon. If you go into Amazon and and type in enjoy the ride stern you'll see it right there it's an easy read it's a quick read and it it is pretty relatable um i i, I don't know of anybody talking behind my back who said it was lousy everybody says it to the I, i've read <laughs> it i like can personally
0: attest <laughs> i felt i just felt better about myself i felt connected to you and this is the first time we're talking in person but, but by reading this yeah. book first i feel like this is the hundredth time we're talking in person. So this is such a good relatable book.
1: Yeah. And uh I call myself Better Richer Stronger. And my website is that, and as of this recording, the website needs a little bit of work, but my Facebook group is very active, very alive. If you go to Facebook, Better Richer Stronger, hop on there. I am um I either write or I put out I put out a thought for I've been putting out thought yeah. for the day now on video. And I'm kind of enjoying that. I, I've got a lot of writing in there. I have a lot of guests. We have Saturday with the experts. And we have experts from everything from clinical dentistry to sleep dentistry to neurolinguistic programming to money management. We have different experts on there. I will work with you individually. I also have a great coaching group called On the Ride. And it's a very inexpensive way to meet with me twice a month. We meet for an hour and we discuss issues, either what's on my mind, different bumps on the road, or whatever the participants um, want to talk about. And I have so much fun. That group is so powerful. It, it's probably the best bargain if I could be so crass in the world of coaching. And... Um, I also speak, I'm looking for study groups. I love speaking to small groups. I have some great programs uh, that I can give in one hour and two hour interactive formats. And we do it online too. I don't care. I want to get my word out there.
0: You are such a force for good. I know in the beginning you had that form up and I don't, you don't need reminding. I know you said you were surprised. They asked you to be one of the founding members of it, but nobody around you is surprised. And I know it's nice to hear sometimes other people say "Um, you're leading a good life. I appreciate you. I know my audience does. I can't thank you enough for being on my podcast, Alan.
1: I can't thank you enough, my friend. And um, it's only going to grow from here. Um, Very personally, I feel like I've made a very lovely new friend. And my friends are are a big part of my net worth. So thank you for being part of my world. Thank you, Alan.
0: Me too. Talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, man. Okay.